The Dub Jelson Podcast is presented by Indy Lumberjack. They proudly offer reasonable rates, safe, top-quality, courteous, efficient service. Let Indy Lumberjack help you reach your goal of maintaining beautiful and safe trees. They're by far the best in the business. You can get a free quote on IndyLumberjack.com or email IndyLumberjack at gmail.com for inquiries. Again, get a free quote on IndyLumberjack.com. What's up, everyone? We're back with another episode of Dub Jelson Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Boston Red Sox catcher, Kevin Ploiecki. Kevin, how are you? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, first off, I want to congratulate you. You signed, you signed a, um, a one-year extension with the, with the Red Sox. Um, so congrats on that. Um, obviously, this whole this past season was, was amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. It was really weird. No fans. Um, so how weird was that season for you and, um, all the guys in the MLB? It was definitely weird. I mean, it was, uh, you know, uncharted territory. So I mean, none of us had to deal with that before. I don't think anybody expected to ever have to deal with that, um, uh, with, with no fans in the stands. Um, you know, it, it was weird. It was the, the fake fan noise was, was, uh, tough to get used to. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we were able to get a season in, play baseball, and, um, you know, get, get through, you know, one of the weirdest years, um, you know, I think, for, for everybody. So, um, you know, I'm glad that we were able to get through it and everybody stayed healthy and, and, um, and all that. So, you know, all in all, it ended up working out, but it was definitely uh, definitely a very weird weird year. Yeah, and, I mean, you talked about the, uh, the fake crowd noise. I, w- I, I covered the Purdue game, um, the home opener against Oakland, and they were trying to pump in crowd noise. And it sounded like people were dying. It was it was terrible. I hated it so. Yeah, it's tough. It's brutal. It's brutal. It like lulls you to sleep. Honestly, it's like yeah. a, one of those sound machines. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes some getting used to um, before you kind of don't even really pay attention to it. But early on, it's uh, it's tough. Yeah. Do you guys like? I mean, when you're out there, do you guys hear all the fan activity coming? Because everything's so close, especially for you as a catcher. Can you hear all the? all the crowd, like when there are crowds, can you hear the fans as much or do you kind of tone them out? I, when you're playing, it really doesn't, it's more so when you're, when you're on the bench, you know, especially with the, with the, I guess when their fans are versus the crowd noise, you, you just realize, you know, you hear a little bit more obviously when you're just kind of sitting there or you're on deck, um, you know, but when you're in the game, you're kind of in that zone. You're not really even thinking about who's saying what, who's yelling what you're so locked into what's happening in front of you. Um, so you really don't pay attention to the crowd noise or, you know, when there's fans there, any of that, um, you know, but you miss like the excitement of, you know, when ball goes up in a, you know, in a big situation, you know, or a big homer in a big situation, the crowd noise, you know, natural crowd noise, not the fake crowd noise, you know, it's, um, it's special. Like it, it makes it a lot more fun, you know, when the fans are involved in that way and, you know, they think it's a home run. It's not a home run, but like, it's that kind of anticipation. It's that excitement that, you know, everybody gets, you know, it definitely was missed this past year. And I hope that we can get back to that soon. Yeah. What about the, uh, I mean, I wasn't really a fan of the cardboard cutouts sitting behind home plate and then the stands and, and all that stuff. What do you think about that? Uh, it was different. I think there was, uh, you know, some, some stadiums did a lot more than, than other stadiums. So that was a little bit different. Um, you know, I think Philadelphia had their whole lower section filled with cardboard cutouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, to each its own, right? I mean, it, it's kind of cool in, in a sense to make the fans feel, you know, like a part of things, um, stuff like that. And in the Red Sox case, we didn't have really a whole lot. We had our 
our families right behind our dugout, which is kind of cool to see my son up there every time running in the dugout. Um, we had him up on the bleacher seats and uh, over the monster and then some behind home plate, but we didn't really have a whole lot, but I mean, it was, it was just a way I think to try and connect with the fans in such a weird year. Um, you know, you know, if a foul ball or whatever goes into the seats, you know, somebody on TV watching could be, you know, that's me, you know? So, um, you know, I think, I think it was just an interesting way, creative way to, you know, make it look like there's fans in the stands for us players, um, you know, and, and at the same time, you know, try and connect with the fans as well. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned your son. Um, I mean, obviously a lot of people saw that video of um, when you finally came home after the season yeah. and, and saw your son. Uh, how difficult was that to, to be away from your family? And then how much joy did it bring you to see your son react that way when you were finally able to um, come home and see him? Yeah, it was uh... – it was a weird year, right? So, I mean, we, we, my wife being pregnant with our second son on the way here doing a couple of weeks. So it was one of those things where it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, didn't feel right for them to come to Boston this year, just because of me traveling so much and them not even being able to go to games and this and that. It was just a lot of, it would have been a lot of work for, for them just to basically sit there for, you know, three months. So uh, it was definitely difficult. It was challenging, but you know, everybody on that team, and, and I live with some other guys, too, that were away from their families as well. So we we're all kind of going through it, all that in the, in the same, you know, in the, in the same um, situation. So at least we had each other to kind of, you know, hang out with and, and make the time go by as fast as possible. But, you know, obviously there was harder times, you know, and, and times where it felt like it went by, uh, you know, really quick. And some days where it feels like it went by really slow. But at the end of the day, just getting home and being back and seeing him and just I'm glad he remembered who daddy was. And, uh, you know, that was the biggest thing when I was gone, wondering if, uh, you know, he'd remember me because it was, uh, you know, he grew so much in those three months, but, uh, you know, obviously he did remember me and now, uh, you know, I can't get him away from me. So, uh, it's all good. Yeah. How old is he? He's two. He turned uh, two September 2nd. So he's two and some change. Oh, dope. Um, yeah. so, I mean, obviously this year you've had, you had a lot of success, uh, behind the plate. Um, so is there anything in particular that you could uh, attribute that to? Um, so I know you had a kind of a big jump um, from previous years to this year. Yeah, I mean, I worked a lot on my on my swing kind of mechanically, um, you know, swinging it at being aggressive at, at good pitches in the zone. And, um, you know, a big one of the big things was just was just an adjustment I made with my swing. Um, here with Kevin Long, you know, my hitting coach with New York when I was there and just, you know, somebody who lives here in Arizona with me and, and we're, uh, we're always sitting together in the off season. It was just one little tweak that we made last year that, that really clicked and, and made things, uh, you know, obviously, you know, work this up this last, this last season. So, um, you know, it's just with my stride, stuff like that. So, I mean, just having the consistency with it, um, you know, having the results base with it this past year, um, you know, that, that was a big jump for me. It was a big, you know, step moving forward. And he's, he's been with me, you know, the whole ride, you know, with me first coming up in New York, in New York and, um, you know, and then every season, you know, the three years I was in New York with him there and then the off seasons were constantly working together. So, you know, he knows my swing like the back of his hand and, um, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, I got to give him a lot of credit for, for, uh, for everything he's done. And, and he, uh, you know, really made a, you know, some, some big adjustments with me, not just this past year, but over the last, you know, really five years. And, you know, I'm hitting with him later today as well. So, um, you know, we'll just keep, keep rolling and, and, um, you know, keep working. Mm -hmm. And then, so like when I played, I played baseball <clears throat> in high school, but 
like my philosophy was if it was close to the zone, I was hacking at it no matter what. It didn't really matter to me. So talk about your kind of philosophy in terms of like taking strikes and knowing which balls, um, like which which area of the zone you should um, be taking your swings on. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on kind of what kind of hitter you are, really. Um, you know, what what uh, gives you the best chance to succeed, I guess. Um, you know, for me, my swing works when I'm thinking to hit the ball to right center field and I react in. Um, that's not everybody's, that's not the way everybody can think, but, you know, I try and get something where I can drive the ball to right, right center field. And, and, uh, you know, that allows my swing to work, you know, where, wherever the pitch is at. Um, if I'm thinking that direction, I, I am able to recognize pitches better. I'm not pulling off the ball. I'm not chasing balls that are, you know, off the plate. Um, so my mindset's got to be, you know, directionally towards, you know, right center field. And, and that way I stay close enough I'm not I don't fly open and, and um, you know I'm able to put a good swing on it and recognize the pitches that I need to swing at mm -hmm. and you talked about um, your meeting with Kevin Long here later uh, what does your offseason work look like like how much are you hitting how much are you working on um, catching behind the plate and uh, strength and conditioning as well yeah well uh, you know usually this time of year I usually ramp things up right around uh, you know just before Thanksgiving give myself about a month and a half or so to just kind of relax and you know during that month and a half period, I just, you know, hop on the Peloton here and just kind of keep the, keep the legs moving and, and just kind of keep my cardio going, but just kind of give my body a, a good break to, um, you know, recover from the season. Um, and then stuff, November, middle of November, just before Thanksgiving, start working out a couple of times a week, three times a week. And then uh, right now it's, it's about three, four times a week working out and, uh, you know, hitting, hitting three times a week and, and throwing three times a week. By the end of the month, when, when, uh, when my wife has our second son, you know, I'll be a little bit more busy, a little bit more hands-on. So, yeah, just trying to sneak out and, and get the work in, uh, you know, when kids are down for a nap or whatnot. But, um, you know, it comes each offseason goes by faster and faster, and it's, it's always uh, just making sure that you're prepared and, and uh, you know, you feel good going into spring training. How often do you get work in with guys from other teams? I know um, <clears throat> specifically in the NBA, they kind of do that a lot. They all go to Brinkley's place in New York and go play five on five or whatever. Um, so how often do you um, maybe throw or hit with guys from other teams? I'd say it happens quite often, really. Um, you know, I'm, you know, working out with Shane Bieber today. Well, actually he's out of town today, but after our, we work out, we usually throw together and, and, um, you know, work out with Bradley Zimmer, Indians guys. So it just kind of depends. All of us, you know, utilize the resources we have around here, you know, with, with uh, batting cages that are open, who can throw, who can flip, um, whether it's guys on my team or guys on another team. Um, we know we all, all fraternity of baseball players and, and know, uh, you know, we know what it's like to, you know, try and get our work in, but, you know, we try and make it fun at the same time. And, um, you know, we all look out for each other. So, I mean, definitely I would say, more times than not, you're hitting with, with guys from different organizations or different teams, um, you know, especially in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. And uh, when did you move out to Arizona? I moved out here in uh, 2016 after the after uh, 2016 season. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's a lot easier to get work done um, in the offseason out there in Arizona compared to here in Indiana. Um, so have you found that to be true? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, there's a lot, lot more, uh, lot more space. Uh, you know, a lot easier to uh, you know get outside and, and uh, you know see the ball fly a little bit earlier. Um, you know, rather being back home in India, it's just 
not possible to go head outside come, you know, January, February, you know, and then you're heading to spring training in March. Um, you know, it's tough to be outside for the first time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I like it out here. It's great. Uh, when I'm not playing golf, not being a dad, I like golfing obviously too. So, I mean, there's plenty of options to, uh, you know, keep the competitiveness going out here and, and, uh, you know, a lot of good golf as well. Mm -hmm. When you were back home in Indy, where did you go? Like, did you go to round trip or maybe Grand Park? Mm -hmm. Grand Park wasn't there when I was, when I was, um, when I was growing up. So it was, it was round tripper for me. It was, it was the only place I, you know, really knew we lived in there. Mm -hmm. So what kind of travel ball teams did you play for when you were back here? I played like for me, I played for the, for the nitro for a couple of years and then with the Mustangs for the, for the rest of the time, who'd you play with? Yeah, I did. Uh, I mean, obviously when I was young, young, you know, the, the Westfield Indians, you know, shout out to the boys that, uh, you know, we came up with, you know, up into high school with basically we had a really good group of guys. Um, and then, you know, from there it was, uh, gosh, it was, a, I think it was the Mustangs for a little bit. It was the Bulls for like one year and then they wouldn't let me catch. So I, I had to get off that team. They put me in the outfield. I was out. Um, and then uh, it was the Indiana prospects it was a, you know, group of guys that we had from, you know, Westfield, HSE, Fishers, uh, you know, kind of collectively, you know, so, some sprinkled in throughout, but, um yeah those those are like my main teams especially being up to high school I know it was mainly the, the prospects of, you know kind of going into into high school and stuff like that was uh you know was the main travel team that I was on and <clears throat> had great times with the guys you know re you know remember like yesterday it was just uh go by so quick you think they're gonna last forever but um you know those are the days yeah man I miss, I miss going uh like going to Cincy or Dublin Ohio or yeah Illinois or Michigan and hanging out with the boys for the weekend that was I mean, that was, that was, those were the good old days, in my opinion. Yeah, they were. Yeah, right around the hotels, you know, yeah. <laughs> swimming to, swimming in the pool till 10 o'clock at night till your parents get you out of there or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, you went to Westfield High School. Um, so, talk about that that kind of high school, Indiana high school baseball scene. And um, I think it's kind of disregarded in, because just because of, like, our geography. And um, like we've mentioned before, you can't really train over the winter outside. Um, so talk about the high school baseball scene, especially when you were there. Well, I mean, we, I was fortunate enough to have been a really good team uh, with a lot of really good, really good guys. Um, you know, yeah, it, it's tough to obviously get outside and, and uh, you know, get ready for a season, but at the same time, we're, we're, we're in a very fortunate spot, you know, at Westville at least. Um, I can't speak for the other schools, but I would like to say that they've got the, you know, the um, accommodations to kind of make, the indoor facilities work uh, just knowing that these, you know, you need to train in the winter time. So uh, whether it be the auxiliary gym or the actual baseball wing they put up at Westfield high school, you know, put the cage up there. Um, you know, you have the resources to get work done um, without being outside. So in the, in that big, you know, the big track they put in at, at, uh, at Westfield high school with, with all that, just a space to be able to get ground balls, even though it's on a weird floor, but just to be able to like, get that coming at you, you know, by the time you get outside, you're not just, you know, rolling right into it. So we were lucky enough to have the resources, you know, at, at our high school to, to feel prepared going into a season. And, and um, you know, we just happen to have a lot of good players with a lot of good talent, you know, on top of all that as well. So, um, you know, those were, those were some fun times there. Mm -hmm. And then um, around your senior, around your senior year in high school, um, obviously you were, you're going to make the transition to go um, to college baseball. So talk about that, 
um, that situation and, and how you ended up choosing Purdue? Well, I mean, anybody that knows me knows I'm a huge Purdue fan. So, um, you know, they were the first coach driver was the first phone call that I got when, when they could actually reach out to us as players. Um, you know, I don't know what date it is, whatever, but first, first phone call I got and, um, you know, obviously was super jacked, um, you know, and then, you know, some other phone call, calls were rolling in. I wanted to obviously just make sure I, you know, at least explored some other options before just jumping the gun on Purdue right away. Um, I, that way I felt better about it just so I, I knew how, you know, how good Purdue was, <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, after going to, I, I can't believe I, I took a trip to IU, but I did. Um, I went down there and took a, took a trip just, just out of pure respect, uh, being in Indiana, I just wanted to, you know, I just want to see for myself why, why Purdue is a better fit. You know, and that, that, that was, that was easy for me to, to uh, decide after going there. And then obviously Michigan state was in there. I went to Louisville, um, you know, so those, those last four, you know, Purdue in there, you know, was, were my like final four. And, um, you know, after going to Louisville, you know, obviously great facilities and all that stuff, but my heart was set on Purdue the whole time. I knew where I was going. Um, you know, I knew where I wanted to go and, um, you know, there was no hesitation in my mind and best decision I ever made. Yeah. And the easiest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just before we hopped on here, uh, they came out and said that the bucket game was canceled this year. Um, probably for the best for Purdue because we have not. Yeah. Been well, this year. So it's tough to watch right now. All, all sports tough to watch right now. Frustrating. Yeah. I mean, basketball should be fine. I mean, you, we, we're just a really young team. So we should be fine. Young. Um, uh, that Miami well. lost the other day was frustrating. Up twenty in the first half, and uh, and we uh, that just just can't happen. But I get it. It's sports, you know. It's it's uh, all part of the learning curve, and you know they're young young squad, so they'll learn from all of it. And uh, you know, got to finish the games. Got to finish them off. <laughs> you make me go nuts over here. Purdue sports uh, makes me go crazy, man. My wife hates it. So I mean, obviously. Back a couple of years ago when Carson and Klein led us on that Elite Eight run, uh, you guys were had just started the season, I believe, around that time where you guys were in spring. Yeah, season. we were um, – I remember it vividly when we played that that game against Tennessee. We were in Minnesota um, watching at a bar there because uh, it was at the right at the beginning of the season. And uh, that was devastating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean – it was fun though. It was a fun run. You know, like it really like felt like we were actually going to do it. You know, like we we're finally going to, we we're finally going to get our national championship or at least, you know, you know, get to the final four or whatever. But, you know, it's the way that game unfolded. I mean, Carson was unstoppable. It was, you know, Klein and all those guys was just, it was a cool run to see for those guys because you're watching them for, for X amount of years. Right. And then, uh, you know, to have it just in the way it did was, I felt like I was on the team. It was, fr it was frustrating. I think we all felt that. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was really tough. I, I feel for those. It's just so, I mean, that's how sports goes, um, like you kind of mentioned. Um, <clears throat> so do you guys, like, talk a little trash, like, um, for maybe not, I mean, not even just your college teams, but uh, maybe uh, NBA teams or NFL teams or stuff like that within the clubhouse? Uh, I'd say it's more so college, uh, more so college, you know, banter, but you know, for me, it's over the years, everybody knows how big of a Purdue fan and so I'm always talking trash and we always lose, you know, or like it's a bowl game or it's, you know, 
the NCAA tournament, you know, and I'm putting Purdue to win it all every time just because the one time they do do it, I'm going to be the one that did it, you know. So, um, you know, I'm always talking trash. You know, it's that good good back and forth banter, you know, playing – we're playing Texas A&M in a basketball, you know, in the NCAA tournament. You know, losers got to wear the opposing guys, you know, school to, to the clubhouse next day, something like that. But, you know, there's a, there's a little bit more back and forth on the college than there is, you know, the NBA and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And how do you look back on the time at Purdue? How do I look back on it mm-hmm. in regards to ath- athletics or just in general? Just in general, athletics and um, how you use it to maybe grow and um, apply it to your professional career now. Yeah, I mean, it, it you know it helped me grow a lot. You know, the obviously the baseball side, the off the field side. Met my wife there. Um, you know, just as a whole, you know, you, you, you're, you're on your own. You got to make, you know, you're not going back to mommy and daddy's house, you know, in high school, you're, you're living it up with the boys. You're going out, you're, you know, you're, you're, I mean, you're living the dream, right? You're, you're having the best time of your life, <laughs> you know, I miss it, but um, I mean, we did it right, you know, and, and, uh, but also was smart about it, safe about it, um, you know, and just a lot of good memories with a lot of, a lot of great dudes, you know, on the field, off the field, um, the parties, the, the classrooms, all of it, you know, I think it was, you know, one of those things where it was blessed to be around a lot of great people and, and uh, you know, helped me, you know, become into the the person I am today and, and obviously got me prepared for what was next, you know, going into pro ball. Mm-hmm. And how'd you find that balance between like partying and school and, and baseball? Because I know you can't go throw down on a weeknight and then go have practice the next morning at like 6 a.m. So how'd you kind of find that happy medium? You'd be surprised what we, what we could do. Uh, you know, as baseball guys, we had a, we were a close knit team because I think we spent so much time with each other off the field. Um, you know, granted there was times if we had that 6am lift, we're not, you know, we're not up having some beers until, you know, three in the morning by any means, it's not happening. But, you know, on the weekends, you know, after games, we'd meet at somebody's house and we'd, we'd, we'd throw some back and, you know, we get ready to go out there and kick the next team's ass the next day. We were just good, you know, one. And two, we were really talented. And we, we hung out together. And I feel like teams that hang out together and, are you know, are boys and, you know, honestly, best friends as a whole, you know, it translates to winning on the field. And, and that's, that's kind of honestly looking back at it. That's what we did a lot of, you know, it was a lot of hanging out with each other, not even necessarily drinking or any of that. It was just, you know, just being together, hanging out, you know, let's go over here, watch a game together. Yeah, everybody just be together. Um, and, and then, it just translate, it translates over to, you know, success. And I think it shows for what we did, you know, not only the first couple of years at Purdue, but, you know, that last year I was there, especially that junior year, we were, we were really good. And uh, we hung out with each other a lot. Mm-hmm. And transitioning um, after your Purdue career, obviously you were first round pick um, by the Mets. So what, what was that kind of moment like? Was it kind of surreal to you at all? that you were actually a first round pick was it hard to believe. Yeah, it was weird to hear, you know, on the TV and actually like see it and hear it. It was, uh, you know, gives you chills, you know, thinking about it and definitely in the moment, you just kind of go numb. You don't really know what happened, what the, what it really means. Right. You know, like you don't know where you're going to want to go or you going to play. You just want to get a chance to go and play at the next level. Right. And just to hear your name be called and, you know, New York Mets, you're like going to New York, like, it's crazy. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, takes a while, little while to set in, but you know, 
really cool experience to have, you know, at least all my family and friends there, but some of my coaches, you know, over at the house. And, uh, you know, it's fun to share that moment with them. Mm -hmm. And then coming up through the minor leagues, was it what you expected or was it, I mean, I know the, the conditions, I guess, aren't as, aren't as great as some people might hope, but did it live up to your expectations or um, what did you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't really know what expectations to have, really. I mean, I knew it was going to be a grind. I knew it was going to be a lot of bus travel, a lot of hotels, and, you know, a lot of time away from family, obviously. And, um, you know, it was just one of those things where you got to put your head down, you know, go to work, make the most of every day, you know, every day's opportunity. And that's still how I look at it today. You know, granted, the lifestyle is a little bit better with the travel and the, you know, the stadiums we're playing in, obviously. But, the grind's still the same, you know, you still got to put the work in and, and you still got to, uh, you still got to grind to, you know, to get the results that you want, good, bad, and different. Uh, you know, so I think coming up in the minor leagues, it, it grows you into the, you know, it, it helps you understand what you need to do in order to be a, you know, a good player, good person, um, you know, and, and it just kind of forms and forms you into who you, who you need to be in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. How often did you play in, uh, play in Indy when you're in AAA? You play at Victory often? Zero. Zero. None. I was always in the other league. I was only. I was always uh, like on the West Coast with. Uh, I was in Vegas for a lot of years with uh, the Mets AAA. So mm -hmm. it was a different league, and and uh, yeah, I, I I didn't play any games. I've I haven't played at uh, Victory Field since our state championship in high school. So I haven't been back there since. Damn, that's tough. <clears throat> I figured yeah. at least be able to play one or two games there, maybe maybe one series, but. Nothing. Yeah, it was never always a different league. Mm -hmm. Um, so how how difficult do you think it is being a catcher, especially to stay in the league and um, and go through that grind like you talked about? Well, I think it. I think it takes a. Uh, you know, us catchers, we we got to be able to relate well with you know our pitchers and and pretty much everybody really. You got to be able to, you know, understand you know, the pitcher's strengths, the pitcher's weaknesses, um, how to call a game, you know, and granted, I, uh, thanks to Doug Schreiber at Purdue, he was able to, like, I was calling my own game my freshman year in college. So for me, I had that experience, you know, not only for, you know, one year, but for three years going into pro ball, where all of a sudden you're turned loose. You don't have the pitching coach calling pitches like you do in some, you know, I don't know how it is. I'm going to say college now, but I, I know sometimes, at least at the beginning of my Purdue career, I was calling, he was calling the game and then all of a sudden we're getting beat by somebody a lot and he you know took it over to me and from then on I, I, I called my own game so that was important but I think longevity wise in, in baseball for a catcher is one taking care of your body two you know having those relationships and, and uh, you know really just understanding what what works and, and uh, you know how to get the best out of those pitchers and, and uh, you know at the same time also having fun as well you gotta have fun you gotta have those relationships and, and just enjoy the grind with the guys trying to understand um you know everybody and um and i think that makes it fun but it also creates you know longevity at the position and you know obviously what goes without saying like i said earlier is just taking care of your body and and um you know making sure that you're healthy because you know health health's a big thing in in all sports but you know especially catching you, you need to be healthy if you're, if you're not on the field it's hard to uh you know, it's hard to hard to play. Mm -hmm. You talked about those relationships with the players. Um, so when you're catching guys that maybe speak another language, obviously uh, baseball is really big in Latin America. So there's a lot of Cuban, Dominican Republic guys. 
um, that come up into the major leagues and pitch. Is it difficult to kind of communicate with them um, uh, when you're catching them? Not a whole lot, really. They're pretty good with, you know, they understand the, you know, they understand more than what people give them credit for really. Um, You know, especially, you know, they really take the time to try and understand the English language. And I try and understand this, the Spanish language. Um, not very good at it, but I also know that, you know, the little nuances and like the words that I need, you know, to be able to convey to them as well. So we can kind of go back and forth with that. Um, if they really don't have a understanding of what I'm saying. So, um, it's really not as bad as people think, you know, they understand, you know, more than more and, and uh, they're smarter than, than, you know, what people maybe from the outside looking in think it's, you know, it's really a lot easier for us to communicate than, than what people think. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so one thing that kind of pisses me off about, about, I mean, it's, it's especially younger guys. Um, they don't really think of baseball as a hard sport. So for the people that hate talk about just how hard the sport is actually. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously tough physically. Um, they, I don't think people understand how tough it is mentally on some people, how, how hard it can be mentally, how hard of a grind it is to play 162 um, and keep your focus for 162 going through, you know, a roller coaster ride of highs and lows and hot streaks. And, you know, you're going to go two weeks without getting a hit or you're going to go two weeks with you can't get out, you know, but mm-hmm. um, that's the grind and that's the part of the game that, you know, took me probably the longest to really, um, you know, grasp and kind of understand and like, just have fun with it, you know, cause there was a period of time where it was like, this is like, like, this is kind of miserable. Like I'm not even having fun. Like it's, it's hard to kind of keep my focus and hard to, you know, hard to lock it in every single time. I put too much pressure on myself to try and perform when I get my opportunity. Um, you know, so it took me a little while to just understand it, to let it go and, and just have fun. And, um, you know, it's a complete different mindset when I'm, when I'm playing now compared to when I was first coming up. Cause you just, all you're worried about is staying in the big leagues, right? Staying in the big leagues, staying there. And then it's like, you're putting just so much pressure on yourself to perform at such a high level when it's already hard enough, you know, it's hard enough to, you know, hit a hundred mile an hour fastball with sink. Um, you know, but when you're not even in the mental capacity, like a mental state to, you know, even recognize a pitch or, you know, swing at a pitch or lay off a pitch, then it, it just makes it even harder. So I think, what people don't understand is that like, Oh, you're in the big leagues. Life's good. You got it made. That ain't it. That ain't the case. At least, you know, unless you're Mike Trout, you know, and I, I'd say even, you know, him sometimes, you know, he understands as well, uh, you know, how, you know, hard the game can be, you know, both physically and mentally it's, you know, you ask any baseball player, um, you know, they'll be able to tell you the same thing. So just having that balance of, you know, understanding how hard the game is for yourself, um, you know, is good, but from the outside looking in, Nobody that's ever done it, nobody that's ever gone through it, they'll never know, unfortunately. A hundred percent. And I mean, Mike Trout is just, I mean, for me, I obviously I haven't been alive uh, very long to see much, much baseball in the grand scheme of things, but I think he's the, he's the best player I, that I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, I think he's definitely the best player in baseball right now. Uh, there's a lot of them, a lot of great players, but I mean, what you see him do year in and year out, day in and day out, it's, it's, uh, it's extremely impressive. Yeah, it's it's honestly insane. I don't. He just built. He just built different, in my opinion. But he is. Mm-hmm. Um. So going back to, I mean, your whole career, you've had the chance to catch some 
outstanding pitchers like DeGrom, Syndergaard, Bauer, Bieber, and Clever. Um, so who do you think is what – well, first of all, uh, what is it like to catch to those upper echelon guys? Well, it's fun because they, they, they know where the ball like is going. <laughs> they know where the, they know they need to spot up. So for me, it's like I know where their misses are going to be at. And I, and I know like what we're trying to do. So those guys, when they're kind of like, when you're like misses or your your when you can hit your spots, it's a lot easier to catch. And those guys do a really good job of hitting their spots. And that's why they're so good. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if you're not able to hit your spots, you're not able to locate or command the ball. Um, it's a lot more difficult to catch, but it, it's also a lot more difficult to have success that way as well. Um, you know, I do think there's a saying too, that, that you got to be just as lucky as you are good. Um, but those guys more times than not are, are, are good. You know, there'll be, you know, every pitcher will get away with the ball right down the middle and get an out. Right. But those mistakes a lot of times get, get hammered more than, more than not. Um, but those guys, what make them so good is their ability to command the baseball and, and uh, obviously have the velocity, the wipeout stuff to, you know, you have to honor the fastball at hundred, the slider and breaking ball and, and a changeup, you know? So when you got those, all those pitches that you can work with anytime, um, and, and able to locate them anytime, any count, you know, that's what makes those guys elite, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I mentioned those five guys. Who do you think is the best pitcher that uh, you've ever caught for? That's not fair. That's not fair to, to do to me, okay. <laughs> to, to ask. <laughs> uh, you know, like I said, they're all, they're all so electric and so dominant in their own right. So it's really hard because they're all different kind of kind of pitchers, right? They're all you know, they all locate the ball well, but, you know, you got Clev who's funky, you know, his little funkiness to him. You got, you know, Trevor also has his own little way. DeGrom's probably the, the, the more smooth delivery, Bieber as well, you know, so it's like, it's hard to kind of really compare who's the best or, you know, who's, because they're all fun to catch and they're all, I don't want to say easy to catch, but they're easy to catch because you know, they're going to be right around the zone or that you know where their, you know, their ball is going to be at, you know, it's easy for me to catch it easier for me to block it um you know so to to single out one as being better than the other one is is uh is kind of tough to do um you know given how good they all are mm-hmm. yeah completely fair um has there been anyone that you've played against that maybe you're a little starstruck by like maybe a jeter or a, or a trout or someone of that nature uh, I think it was, yeah, it was A-Rod. Um, it was, A-Rod was like my first kind of like welcome to the big league experience kind of like when I was like, this is, this is kind of real, like, holy shit. Um, it was in 15, it was like five days into my, into my big league career. We were playing at Yankee Stadium and I'm catching and, and uh, you know, I'm still kind of just trying to grasp the whole thing that I am in the big leagues. Now I'm playing the, you know, Yankees Mets series, Subway series and, and A-Rod comes up hits me on my, um, as he's, as he's coming up to bat, hits me on, uh, on my shin guard and says, Hey, Kevin, like, how you doing? And I was like, Holy shit. Like, you know, like it's a rod, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and that kind of just like hit me in a way. It was like, this is real. You know, like I'm, I'm not just like watching a rod, like, you know, over the years now, like I'm like playing against him. Um, and then, and then he hits like some mon- monumental home run. Like that day it was like, you know, I don't know if it was that a bat exactly or it was later in the game, but I know he had a home run and it was for some, big number to pass somebody on the home run list or something like that. I don't know exactly who it was, but that was like, that was a cool, like, welcome to the big leagues. Kind of like, I didn't, I never played against Jeter, um, you know, but I think the A-Rod one being on the subway series and then, um, 
you know, that was a, you know, cool moment to, you know, really welcome me to, to the big leagues. And then a couple of days later, I was able to hit my first big league homer against CC Sabathia in the Yankee stadium, which was, you know, all that was just looking back now. And during the time it's going so fast in my head, you have no like time to even like look back and like take in what exactly is happening. Cause it's just moving so fast. But, you know, looking back now, it's like, it was pretty cool, you know, how it all kind of unfolded. Yeah. I mean, A-Rod was one of my guys growing up. I mean, it's him and Jeter were my two favorite players. Um, well, who was your favorite team growing up? Like, who did you root for? Cubs. Big Cubs fan. Yeah. So, so what was it like um, playing your first game at Wrigley? It was awesome. Um, that place is, is – uh, holds a special place for me just because going there as a kid, growing up with mom, dad, my brother, you know, going up there. You know, we didn't go to a whole bunch of games, but I remember just taking the, you know, subway in and, uh, you know, trying to get there early for batting practice. Um, I mean, it's just going there, going there as a kid and then, like, growing up watching the Cubs games, it's all you did. Um, and then finally have a chance as a player to go there and play. Um, it was, was, pretty, was pretty freaking awesome, honestly. And it's one of my favorite places to go um, as a player. And, um, you know, all I wanted to do was hit a home run there. Like, just in my career, you know, I'm not a home run hitter, as you know. I look up the numbers. It's not good. I just, you know, I'd rather hit doubles. I like homers, but I'm just not a home run hitter, right? But I wanted to have one homer at, at Wrigley Field, you know, just from going in the games over the years. And I was able to hit one um, as against – I was with the Mets. And uh, C, it was C-Sheck. c was pitching. And, and I hate the – I hate the submarine, you know, sidearm guys. I hate it. I, I, I just I, – I don't like it. It's uncomfortable, right? And – and, and uh, we were down three. I think I tied the game with the homer in the seventh or something like that. But the wind, I, I just barreled it, hit up in the air. And, the, you know, the wind there is blowing out. I was able to hit one out. And just remember around the bases, just like, you know, I, I did it. You know, like I, I always wanted a home run here. And, uh, you know, it's pretty cool to, to be able to do that. Did they throw it back and you were able to keep the ball? I didn't get the ball, no. So if anybody's, if anybody's got it, I'd love to have it. <laughs> Um, so before I let you go, I wanted to talk about your golf event, golf event um, that you're having here in a couple months um, in February. So talk a little bit about that, what it is, and uh, why you wanted to create it. Yeah, so we kind of like started this. I mean, over quarantine, right during the down period of I think the whole world, when we're all just sitting in our homes, thinking that this virus was just going to kill everybody, like, and we couldn't do anything. Um, naturally, so it was scary time. It was like just. I, I was like, this baseball season is not going to happen. Like, what am I going to do? Like, what makes me like baseball was ended, right? Like baseball was shut down. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, what, what would I do if baseball ended tomorrow? Or like, if there was no more baseball and uh, what, like, what do I get genuine enjoyment out of? And it was, it's obviously golf for me. Um, you know, I like getting out there. I like the competitiveness, competitiveness of it. Um, I like being with the guys. Um, but we started this Lux for Golf company. My neighbor uh, and I have gotten extremely close over the years, and we were just kind of talking. We, we, the kids would run around in the back at night and just kind of started talking about this. We, we had put on previously a, you know, a, uh, you know, a 36-hole event for just our, our buddies close here in AZ on, a, on Friday, that Waste Management Open Week. Uh, we call our, ours the Wasted Management Open Week. It's just a fun day for the boys to get out there and have a good time. And, um, and so we started this company now, you know, all the relationships that I've made over with baseball, um, you know, I just wanted to kind of incorporate this big 
be very describes us as athletes. Go out and play golf and have fun and compete. And that'll be fun to, you know, start this company, do this first event and get as many baseball guys as we can, football guys. We got Erlacher coming out there. We got um, Jerome Bettis right around the corner seems to be in coming out to, to put on this close to the finish celebrity shootout. Um, I can go on and on about this because I'm jacked about it, but uh, it'll be just a fun day, fun tournament for everybody to get out there before spring training. Um, we'll see what happens with it moving forward. Hopefully it's just that big tournament that we can have year in and year out here, the week of the waste management open tourney, um, you know, and then from there we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, maybe take some trips and take some people on some trips elsewhere, you know, have tournaments th throughout the country. You know, when I'm done playing ball, find me on the golf course, hit me up with Alex for golf. Let's go play. Let's go play some golf. So that's kind of how it started. That's kind of where we're at. And, you know, this first one's, uh, you know, we're getting a lot of people committed and, and signed up here sooner than, and then uh, I think we all thought, so it's, it's been a fun little, fun little ride. And, um, you know, it's been, I've worked, I've worked a lot at it. I've uh, been doing a lot more work at it uh, than my wife probably wants, but um, it's, it's something fun. It's something fun. I enjoy doing. So it'll be a fun event. There are some of the baseball guys that you've gotten uh, to join. So we've got, uh, you know, myself, Bieber will be out there. Uh, Kevin Pilar, Aaron Hicks. Um, we got, uh, Got a, I wish I had my list in front of me. We got Matt Moore, uh, Alex Cobb, Drew Smiley, Travis Darnot, uh, Matt Reynolds, Philip Evans. Um, Johnny Manziel is going to be out there. He actually just committed the other day. Um, so we're, we're, I mean, it's, I got a whole, whole list in front of me. I'm just trying to go off the top of my head here, but we got a really got a really good handful of guys that'll be out there. And, um, you know, it'll be Michael Conforto will be out there, but we'll, uh, We'll have a good time. It'll be, it'll be a fun day. How'd you get Manziel to do it? He lives out here and, um, and a, a mutual friend, uh, somebody, uh, somebody that I know here, uh, you know, knows him better than I do. I've never met him before, but I know he, uh, Manziel's playing a lot of golf out here and be like, Hey, let's get him out. So, um, and just add him to the group. And, uh, so yeah, that's how we got him. Mm -hmm. fun. Does, do you find that golf messes with your swing at all? Like, after you go play golf, you need to go hit more in the, in the cages or anything like that. No, I think it's the opposite, opposite for me. My, my golf swing helps my baseball swing, just the fluid motion of it. Uh, my, my baseball swing messes up my golf swing. Uh, you know, it takes me a little bit when I haven't played in a while. It's normally the other way around. So, um, you know, I think my golf swing helps me, you know, definitely doesn't hurt my baseball swing. Um, I used to think that in the past, but, uh, you know, not anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to have to wrap this up, but uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, another shout out to Jake Mills for uh, helping bringing us together, but it was truly an honor to have you on. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Take care. Stay safe out there. All right.